What's up, everybody? It's another episode of the Second Stringers NBA podcast. We're on the second round now. A couple teams have gone fishing. One of those is the Oklahoma City Thunder, and a couple of surprises have made it to the second round. But uh, we're going to cover it all here in the second stringers. We'll talk a little LKC, Utah Jazz versus Rockets, Warriors versus Pelicans, the King versus Toronto, and of course, the Celtics versus the 76ers. Got Sean here and a special guest, Scott, big OKC fan. What's going on, fellas? What's up, Alan? It's good to, good to be talking about basketball. This I look forward to this every week. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Same here. Yeah. It's an exciting time <laughs> of the year. Yeah. So, so did you get to watch a lot of games this week? Oh, yeah. I, I made time to watch some of these games. Oh, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty awesome. I think for my part, some people may be a little, um, little surprised of how much I would push off to make a little bit of time to catch some of these games, even if it's from the third quarter on. But, you know, there's a lot of exciting games going on, a lot of good matchups. Yeah, man. It's really good stuff. And then, yeah, we're we're into the second round now. So a lot, some of these series are already at game two. So we're right in the thick of it. And we, we got some good stories yeah. to tell. Yeah. So let's start things off right here with the. Uh, Pretty random uh, trivia question, but I think it's pretty interesting. So, which player has scored the most points by an Australian in an NBA playoff game? I feel like this is a trap. I feel like it's a trap. (laughs) My mind wants to say Joe Ingles, but I'm going to go with Andrew Bogut. What? (laughs) (laughs) Has he even played in the playoffs before? Mm -hmm. Oh, for the Warriors. Yeah. When he was like a bench player and the bucks he made it with the bucks uh-huh. oh is that right yeah well, yeah he played with no the it was like is that the answer oh i was waiting did you oh, want to take a guess I was at gonna, it? i'm gonna say joe ingles yeah joe ingles ah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a trap after all <laughs> yeah, I, got, I got both the names in there so it's all good <laughs> they both count yeah joe ingles going 28 points uh 28 points against OKC, the most points by an Australian in an NBA playoff game. Uh, Joe Ingles carrying his team, which leads us to the first talking point here is OKC, who's gone home and begs the question of as they look forward to next season, it's what's more likely to happen here that Carmelo Anthony comes off the bench next year or that Paul George resigns with OKC this summer. As a Thunder fan, Scott, I'm going to hand this one off to you. You know, I have to say neither, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> My heart wants to say Paul George resigns, but I think if you have to choose one, it's more likely that Carmelo comes off the bench than Paul George resigning. What do you guys think? Oh, I think that, That's a- <laughs> uh, yeah, Go I mean, Carmelo already said he's not going to come off the bench. I feel like he's a guy that's pretty true to his word, and Paul George... I mean, you only made it to the first round. You you won. Did they win one more game than they did last year in the regular season? Uh, with given the superstar power they had this year, I think I honestly do think that he's leaving, um, which is really sad for Oklahoma mm-hmm. fans out there. <laughs> but but really great for Southern California. Yeah, but I think it's just more likely to happen because Carmelo already said he's not coming off the bench. Paul George hasn't said if he's resigning or not so i'll yeah, give that i'll true. give that more of a chance then you'll give what that, that paul george resigns that paul george yeah because there's no way Melo's yeah. coming off the bench yeah i mean i'm inclined to say that as well but I, I, right now my gut tells me that it's more likely that carmelo anthony comes off the bench um for this okc 10 team than paul george resigning 
it's a it's a tough loss against a Utah team that has no superstar really and was led by a by an NBA rookie and a 25 year old second round pick in Rudy Gobert. <laughs> uh, granted, he's also uh, a a great candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Is a good Carmelo player. Anthony. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony really didn't give much to this team um, in terms of the playoff series with the LKC getting outscored by 7.6 points per 100 possessions when Carmelo Anthony was in that lineup. Um, you substitute Grant into that lineup for Anthony and the, the Thunder outscored teams or basically the Utah Jazz by 10.6 per 100 possessions. Um, it's tough to put a guy who's also opting in for $28 million on the bench. So OKC's got themselves a tricky situation coming up next. You know, I really want to say, too, that it's just an abnormal thing. And, you know, if you played that series over twice or three times, uh, that Carmelo would perform differently. But I think the reality of it is, is when you look at the rest of the regular season, it's very much the same story. Uh, And Grant is no superstar by any means. So, I mean, you're talking about Carmelo's just dragging down the team. It's not like he's helping in any way. So it's, it's hard to fight the numbers on this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this, I just, I don't think I can really take this stat to heart. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. a cool stat, sure. Like, they're better when they when Grant's in the game. I think, yeah, like Scott was saying, Jeremy Grant's not that good of a player. Like, Carmelo Anthony is still better than him. Like, no one, I don't think anyone's trying to argue that, right? Well, I don't want to, but I feel like the stats are <laughs> no, telling me otherwise. No, no. Yeah. I, th- I mean, no, this is you- all... This is all the coach's fault. All of this is the coach's Billy fault. Donovan. Completely, oh. yeah. It's all yeah. Billy Donovan's fault. If you can't make three superstars work together on a team, like, look, the Warriors did it just fine. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Russell Westbrook, you could argue, is like the most difficult player to play with on the entire planet. But if you don't have a coach that can make it work over the course of you had all these guys for the full season, and they never took off to that next level that everyone expected them to get to. And I think yeah. a lot of that is because Billy Donovan just didn't know how to use Carmelo Anthony. Uh, well, here's an, uh, here's an interesting take on your on your statement. Is Carmelo Anthony a superstar? Is mm. he still a superstar? Does he have to be? He doesn't have to be a superstar, but he dropped off so significantly this year. Yeah. So I want to bring one more player into the equation that I think people forget a lot about, and that's Andre Robertson. Because when he's yeah. healthy, mm. they are on that upward trajectory to the top three seeds in the West. And then when he got injured, they dipped really hard. So I don't know if it is an excuse for Carmelo. I don't know if it's an excuse for Jaron Grant or any of that. But I think that you have to ask the question, if Robertson's healthy, does this series look different? Um, I th- I mean, I got to say so. I, I think, like, I mean, these games, I mean, that game six came basically down to the final possession. If OKC makes one of those shots or maybe on the other side, Utah doesn't make their shot or Donovan Mitchell gets held up a little bit for a little bit less number of points. And I guess the OKC could have walked away with a couple wins here and there, but moving, I don't want to move away from Carmel Anthony too, too, too much. Right. And I still want to say this. So Carmel Anthony, let's not forget this guy shot six for 36 from Oof. six for 36 <laughs> from the three point line with a defender less than six feet away from him. So NBA.com keeps track of this stat here. And this is Carmelo Anthony's status right there. So basically open or completely wide open, you could say Carmelo Anthony was just not knocking down shots against this Utah team or really against nobody. Is it? I, th- I think it's still because of the coach, though. 
he didn't put him in situations where Carmel Anthony thrives. Like he didn't look at Carmel Anthony's game and be like, okay, like I can't just make Carmel Anthony like a spot up shooter. Like mm-hmm. that it's kind of like with Popovich and Lamarcus Aldridge last year. Popovich tried to make Lamarcus a player that he wasn't and it worked terribly. And then this next year they adjust and they're like, you know what, Lamarcus, you were right. I was wrong, even though I'm like a Hall of Fame coach. You're going to have to just play your own game. And now he's back to his all-star status. And I think that you could see the same thing with Carmel Anthony next year if if they are able to come to that same conclusion and be like, I tried to make you a player that you weren't. Like, you need the ball a little more. And honestly, if Paul George leaves, I think Carmel Anthony does get a resurgent year next year because they won't have to distribute the ball as much. Well, yeah, no one else can wow. score besides <laughs> Russell Westbrook, so someone's yeah. gonna have to. Well, I think so I think he'll be good be, though. Can OKC still be just as good with a uh, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook-led team? It depends on their role pieces that they can get with the money they would have paid Paul George. Yeah, I think it totally depends on uh, you get Robertson back, which is ironic because the guy can't shoot the ball to save his life, but he's a <laughs> yeah. really valuable piece of that team. And mm-hmm. I do agree with Sean. I think if, if Paul George leaves, then Carmelo's forced into a bigger role. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> better or worse than they did this year, probably pretty similar because they underperformed this year. So I think it's very similar yeah. this year to even what they did last year, and I think it's yeah. pretty constant. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing in all this, all these trades, but they still finish with the same seating as they did last year, right? Or maybe they finished fifth last year. But either way, they still we're in that four right. five range spot. eliminated in yeah or six spot yeah eliminated in the first round but uh, here's something interesting that i also wanted that i took the time to look through as i went to back to the 2003 nba draft and saw who was still active as a player huh. and you got kyle corver lebron james Dwayne wade jose calderon yeah. david west and zaza Ugh. and only lebron and zaza are still starters here um outside of carmelo anthony so i guess that begs the question like do you guys still think Carmelo Anthony then? I guess, Sean, you 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 do argue that Carmelo Anthony is starter, is, is a player that's still worthy of a starting spot in the NBA. Oh, definitely. Like, especially on the Thunder, because I'm not starting Jeremy Grant over Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> right. Like, I, like, with Dwayne Wade, he didn't start on the Heat, but that's because they had five very good players starting. Like, Dion mm-hmm. Waiters, I'd argue, is better than Dwayne Wade right now when he was healthy. Uh, Josh mm-hmm. Richardson, he's an up-and-coming guy. Uh, James Johnson, Tyler Johnson. Like, these are all players that can score and are playmakers. And it was fine for Dwayne Wade to take a back seat. And he still got his good minutes off the bench uh, when he went back to the Heat. But with this team like Ter- Terrence Ferguson, Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant, Alex Abrinas, like, these are not comparable players so Carmelo Anthony still has to start I would actually argue that I think he would be more effective off the bench because to Sean's point I think that Billy Donovan can then put him in situations where he's the guy where he can be ball dominant and you can still close out quarters you can still close out halves with him on the court depending on how you kind of set up your rotations it's a little bit like what the Warriors did with Steph Curry last night against the Pelicans so I think it may make sense because then he can kind of figure out what the rhythm of the game is doing. He comes in against a second unit who he can bully. Um, and I think it's effective because the Oklahoma City bench is terrible. So he yep. provides a, a actual reliable scoring threat, and he can still get his 20, 25 points a game. But 
I do agree with Sean. I think he's good enough to start, but in the OKC team, I think it might be more effective to bring him off the bench. Uh, I agree with you there. Um, Yeah, I mean, OKC, I mean, the Warriors, yeah, like you mentioned, they did it with Curry. They've done it with Andre Iguodala, bring him off the bench and then use him to close the game out. Um, But, yeah, there's also that where you got you, who's the starter you replace him with? Is it Grant or... Um, you hope you get Paul George back, I guess, or you move Roberson to the four. One of those guys, you go really small. Roberson to the four? <laughs> or Paul George. <laughs> oh, okay. So I think the thing that you guys are forgetting in all of this is that Carmel Anthony has a huge ego. Yeah, yeah. pretty mellow. Yeah, you, th- you think <laughs> he's going to play like at the same level as he would as a starter? He's going to just be pouting all the time. If, he, if they force him to come off the bench, he's just going to be requesting a trade. Or he's just not even going to try very hard. It it would not work. Yeah. Well, here are my notes for what's next for uh, OKC. One, you pray that you can re-sign Paul George. And then two, you pray even harder that Carmelo Anthony (laughs) either accepts a bench role or opts out of his $28 million Uh contract. Because you imagine who they can get if if they release that off the cap. Yeah, good luck with that. That's like telling Luol Deng (laughs) to opt out of his contract with the Lakers. Yeah, exactly. But uh, how about we talk about the winners from that series, the Utah Jazz, who have advanced to play the the Rockets, um, losing that game one, but coming back and winning that game two tonight with Donovan Mitchell um, coming off a hot series against OKC where he averaged 28.5 points with 48% shooting. Unheard of for a rookie here. Um, essentially leading the offense for this Utah team in that elimination game with rookie Rubio going to the bench. Impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's not enough nice things we can say about this guy, Donovan Mitchell. He he really is the real deal. And if, if, mm-hmm. if there was any questions during the regular season, if he could improve his game, we're seeing it right now. Like, this is the next level of Donovan Mitchell. And this is what we're going to get for the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years, like barring injury, yeah. of course. Like, this, this guy can play. And it's crazy how he's he plays with such poise – He's able to take over this offense essentially. Like he, the offense mm-hmm. all runs through him. Granted, Joe Ingles has his good game here and there, but he's almost always the leading scorer on this team. And now he has the third highest usage rate of first-year players who logged at least two thousand minutes in NBA history. Yeah, that's a high stat. That's a high stat. <laughs> and yeah, there's sure there's a lot of other rookies in this class that. Uh, impressed as we thought they would. I mean, you got Ben Simmons and Jason Tatum. Uh, but Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell is right up there, man. The, between those three guys, like, the NBA is in a pretty good spot. Yeah. So what do we think here um, Utah Jazz's ceiling really is? I mean, they're a, they're a hell of a defensive team. They got essentially one of the best rookies we've ever seen in the NBA playoffs in Donovan Mitchell, uh, going 38 points, 4 for 36 14 for 36 against OKC in game six, holding OKC to an offensive rating of 100.9, which would be dead last in the NBA regular season. Uh, what do we think here? What's Utah's ceiling? Well, I think Quinn Snyder deserves a ton, a ton of credit. Um, and Sean will be the first one to tell you never to underestimate <laughs> the Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't. That is true. I don't know what their ceiling is. I think that to be really, really good, especially in the West, you're going to have to have more than just Donovan Mitchell that can get you buckets. Um, yeah. 
I think that probably right about where they are is their ceiling. But at the same time, I don't think anybody would be shocked if they knocked off the Rockets right now. I'd and be you, shocked. And you know Golden State <laughs> is quaking in their boots because they handed them some games in the in the regular season. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, NBA is all about matchups. And I think when you have a rim protector like Gobert, who's probably the defensive player of the year this year, um, mm-hmm. you scare a lot of teams and Donovan Mitchell has that clutch gene, man. We can say whatever we want, but he has that clutch gene. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Warriors got away with murder and that was one of the most annoying things to <laughs> me when I saw the playoff scene is that they not, they did not get a chance to match up against Utah or the thunder. I think they got the two weakest teams out of the West, honestly, in the Spurs and the Pelicans. I mean, after the Pelicans swept the Blazers though. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, it would have been an epic series if the Jazz got to play the Warriors. Hey, maybe they will, though, because now they've tied the series 1-1 against the Rockets and stole one on the Rockets' mm-hmm. home court, winning game two, which I, I thought was a total shock. I don't know about you guys, but I did not expect them to win any games against the Rockets on their home court. I didn't either. Um, and the Rockets looked good the whole time, even at... When they were down, it seemed like the Rockets were going to make a huge run and just blow out Utah. But they hung on Joe Ingles uh, with his playoff high of 27 points, 10 for 13 shooting. Rudy Gobert, 15 points, 14 rebounds. And Alec Burks, see, these are the guys that impressed me from uh, this Utah team. Is Alec Burks, Royce O'Neal. These dudes just come off the bench and put buckets. Royce O'Neal is not good. I'm going to keep saying it. He, he causes some people some trouble. Uh, Alec Burke, 17 points, though, and six assists. Jay Crowder, 15 points, 10 rebounds. Um, Dante Exum, the the young Australian as well, who hasn't gotten a lot of playing time the last couple years in the NBA uh, due to injury, but he's shining in the playoffs. He had a modest nine points, four rebounds, but damn, he was doing a good job uh, guarding Chris Paul or James Harden off the switches tonight. You know what I find fascinating, too, in this kind of new era of basketball is how interchangeable some of these pieces are. So you look at like the Utah Jazz, how many players deep do they go, 10 or 11? The Celtics, they've Mm -hmm. lost most of their best players this year, and they're still going 10 or 11 deep. You look at the Raptors, same kind of thing, and those are the teams that are having success. So as much as we talk about like the superstar age and you know every team's big three, these kinds of teams that don't really have superstars are making a pretty good run at it, which I think is really fascinating. I think it's kind of a... A new era almost dawning yeah. for the NBA in some ways. But at the end of the day, the Warriors have the stars and they have the depth because they have a bunch of guys that are willing to take no money just to win a ring. Yeah, that know, that is the winning recipe. Unfortunately, yeah, you have, yeah, you have like a lot of these exciting playoff series. <laughs> at the end of the day, it kind of looks like the Warriors might walk away with this. I don't know. It's they looked really good last night, <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about them a little bit later. But first, uh, how about Ricky Rubio, who's still expected to miss at least one week? Um, do you think the Utah Jazz win another game without him, or, or is this the one game that they win in this series? Hmm. I think they win at least one at home. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go up 3-1. I mean, that, oh. that's, that's, <laughs> unless you have Russell Stop. Westbrook, it's not guaranteed that you're going to win one in Utah. I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, that's a tough place to play. So I, I think they probably split with the Rockets at home and then the Rockets take home court and end up winning the series. But I do think they win at least one more without him. 
Okay, so what's your final say? You think you, uh, who wins it in how, and in how many games? I think it's Rockets in seven. Yeah. I think I was, it's Rockets in six. Yeah, I was going Rockets in six. I think they Utah wins one more game. But uh, actually, so that would expect Rockets to win. That would mean Utah. Houston would have to win two at Utah, which I honestly don't think is, like, insane. Yeah, no, this it is still the, it's still it the Rockets. Like, mm-hmm. we've, like, sure, the Jazz won a game, but this is still the team that had the best record in the NBA. This is James Harden, the poss- probable MVP. Yeah. So it took the Utah Jazz to go 15 of 32 from three last this tonight to beat the Houston Rockets, which is kind of a little bit high, uh, way higher than their usual shooting from three. Um, so it's going to take a lot, but uh, this is a tough one. I guess at the end of the day, I still think the Rockets win. So I'm going to go Rockets in six. Yeah, man, this is so this is so ridiculous. <laughs> Every time I just keep rooting against the Jazz and they keep winning. It's it's. A- it's uh, they're a good team, man. Don't they, don't forget this is the number one defensive team in the uh, NBA. I know, and yeah. The number I know. one bet winning team I've uh. ever bet for. <laughs> yeah, but uh, let's go on from the cat from the number one defensive team to the number one team in the East who lost Game One against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The King coming back after his Game Seven performance to beat the Raptors in overtime, um, and the Cleveland Cavaliers holding the Raptors to a three for eighteen shooting. In the final four minutes of the game, including overtime. The question there is, did the Cavs hold them to that, or did they just choke it away? Yeah, why is Fred Van Vliet taking the biggest <laughs> Fred, yeah, shots of the game? Yeah, all the highlights are like, Fred Van Vliet goes for the game winner, and he bricks it. <laughs> yeah, this is a guy you who You have DeMar DeRozan on your team. Yeah. Yeah, Freddie Van Vliet hadn't played a couple games. He was injured, so he was coming, and he was coming cold off the bench to shoot that shot. Um, surprising there, yeah. Yeah, you you know who deserves all the credit for this? Jay Ty Smith. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, great coaching. He really outcoached Dwayne Casey in this one. Yeah, I was gonna say J.R. Smith, man. For the first <laughs> time ever, he looks like an NBA player, and I say that a lot about him. He he keeps starting, but he just doesn't look like he belongs out there, man. He just can't score. But to, but. Last night, he went for 20 points uh, alongside with Kyle Culver going for 19, uh, Jeff Green going for 16, and Tristan Thompson 2.0 making a comeback, <laughs> uh, getting some offensive boards and holding Valachunas, Valachunas down to one of, one, Valachunas to one <laughs> of seven in the fourth quarter, man. What's going on here is the supporting staff uh, of LeBron James drinking some, some uh uh, what is it called? Some magic juice or something? I don't know. Magic juice. <laughs> Michael Seeker stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Secret stuff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, I think this is the full potential of what this supporting cast can do. And ironically, all these players that had good games were none of the people that they actually brought in at the trade deadline. True. So those are still looking like terrible moves. But, I mean, J.R. Smith, he's been here before. He knows what he's doing. He's He's been clutch in playoff situations before. Yeah. And, you know, this is what he's capable of. Uh, Kyle Korver, he shoots threes, so he'll make them eventually. Tristan Thompson is the most surprising one for me. Mm-hmm. I thought this guy was like Andrew Bynum levels of washed up <laughs> at this point. But he showed that he can still play. I mean, he did – I'll give him that he did hold Valanciunas in the fourth quarter – but he got manhandled by him otherwise. Valanciunas put up a 21-21 game and was really like 
he almost had the tip in that probably would have won them the game in regulation. Uh, he yeah. was just a few inches off on that one. But, yeah, I mean, huge credit Tristan Thompson for actually having a good game. I never thought it would happen again. It's funny that you compare him to Andrew Bynum washed up because, I mean, Andrew Bynum kind of washed out of the league because of the major surgeries he had on his knees. Yeah, and he got <laughs> injured bowling too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Tristan Thompson were to wash out that bad but without injury-related, what would that would put him more like Kwame Brown washed um, up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Kwame oh, was Roy never Hibbert? good. That's the difference. Yeah. Oh, Roy Hibbert? Roy Hibbert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, lots of horrible big Darko Milicic. Yeah. So we're looking at this. So Cavs steal game one. Um, what's what's the potential here? I mean, are the Cavs going to carry this momentum to a game two? And are they coming home? Are they coming? Are they ending this series with the W? You know, I think it's so funny when you go into these knockout type competitions, you know, whether it's a series over seven games, it's no longer the regular season. And if you know how to win, you know how to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know how to lose like the Raptors do, then you end up losing. <laughs> so I think the Cavs end up taking this series, and I don't think it goes seven. I think maybe six, maybe five. Um, I think the Raptors take the next one. I think Cleveland knows they did their job in Toronto, mm-hmm. and they're going to focus on, on games three and four and then trying to force a knockout maybe in game five. But, I, I mean, when you look at it, it's it's all LeBron. I think this may yeah. be his most impressive against the Pacers and now even starting last night I think it's been unbelievable from him he just keeps reproving that he's the best player in the world and for me I mean I didn't think Michael was ever going to get touched but LeBron's making it a really tough comparison between those two yeah 47 minutes again from LeBron James after playing 40 plus minutes again in that game seven against the Pacers Um, I mean Victor I mean it's funny because LeBron James keeps running into the, these exact same franchises, and it's been the same result for the last eight years, whether it's the Pacers, the Celtics, the Raptors, or the Wizards. Um, and it's to me, I think after this Game 1 victory, uh, I'm giving a lot more credit to the Cavs, definitely, and I think they win this in six games. Oh, man. You guys are making this really hard. <laughs> Ah, man. Yeah, on one hand, yeah, sure. The Cavs have always had the Raptors number. Yeah. On the other hand, the Cavs are not very good. <laughs> They're not, but they are in the playoffs. Yeah. They're in the playoffs, but, oh, man. J.R. Smith, This we're seeing playoff J.R. Smith. I just, I'm, man, I, this is tough, dude. This is going to go seven games, seven I think. Seven games. I, which way yet? Man, I, I guess I'll go with the Cavs. You because, don't bet against LeBron. Because, <laughs> like, LeBron's been playing. He played 47 minutes in that game one, mm-hmm. like, including OT. Yeah. He played 41 minutes across seven games against the Pacers and then just went straight into this game one here. Uh, I, I think he'll be able to last through this series, but he's going to be so gassed. He was already burned out after the seven-game series against the Pacers. I remember that post-game interview. He said he was just, like, burnt out or something. And he just didn't even want to think about Toronto until the next day. And I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I realize that he's a superhuman and he's the best player ever, but even he needs to breathe. Yeah. He's not human, though. He's yeah. not totally. human. He'll be fine. <laughs> Dude, he got to breathe, man. He breathes air just like the rest of us. I don't know if he does. <laughs> he might not. 
Yeah, what's what's crazy is this could be his toughest series on his path to the NBA Finals. Um, I think the Celtics and Sixers might be um, kind of might be might be his opportunity to catch a break in his path to the NBA Finals if he can get through ter- the Toronto Raptors. That's Wouldn't a hot it be take, crazy but... though if uh, like at the beginning of the year we're like, oh yeah, it's gonna be Cavs Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they both had their like just ridiculous seasons where like the Celtics just got hampered with terrible injuries mm-hmm. and the Cavs are the Cavs. And after all that, after all this speculation, Oh, the Sixers are going to go to the finals. Oh, the Raptors is their year. It's just going to end up being Cavs Celtics. Like everyone <laughs> originally predicted, not the way we thought it would have happened, but nonetheless, they still meet up and that's what it's looking like right now. Yeah. We could see uh... A, the big the big man matchup being Tristan Thompson versus Aaron Baines and Aaron Baines. <laughs> That's the matchup to watch for sure. But I mean, I mean, if Tristan Thompson keeps putting up performances like this, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we do I see JR playoff JR swoosh of twenty sixteen and or twenty fifteen, and Tristan Thompson comes back, gets a reincarnation of twenty sixteen Tristan Thompson as well, um, and takes this Toronto team to six games and finishes them off in Cleveland. Don't you think that all these Western Conference teams have to be just licking their lips, though, looking across at who they're going to be playing in the finals? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> if they yeah, if they make the finals, their like, chances of winning are so high. Unless it's the Jazz. They're, they're going to end up making it, aren't they? They're going to make the finals. <laughs> that would be uh, – it could very well be, like, the lowest rated NBA finals if we see like the Utah Jazz versus, <laughs> Utah Jazz versus like yeah the Raptors <laughs> possibly but, Rosen. yeah but let's go to the Celtics who have scrapped together their team essentially getting who whatever body they can onto that starting lineup <laughs> and still somehow managing to win playoff games gosh I mean at this point it seems like they could start Brian Scalabrini like Two year old Brian Scalabrini. Dude, Brian, dude, that guy's the legend, though. (laughs) And still walk away with the win because I cannot believe they beat this Sixers team. Uh, It's amazing. Al Harford, Jason Tatum, uh, Terry Rozier just just putting together together an awesome performance against the 76ers team that was at full strength with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and. Um, a somewhat healthy Markel Fultz, though he didn't start, he didn't play much. He doesn't but, play at yeah. all. It's the weirdest thing. Like he ended the season getting a triple double in their last game of the regular season, and I don't even think he's played in two games in these playoffs so far. I think he played a few minutes in one of the games against Miami. I haven't seen him at all otherwise. Yeah, they're opting to go with T.J. McConnell um, a lot more, which I don't think is a bad call. He, he's been starting all season. He knows the offense really well, and he's also a pass-first guy, and he's a pretty good shooter. Um, definitely brings a different skill set than Markel Fultz, so I can see maybe there's not lo- much trust in him, especially when you're playing against... You're essentially down now against the Celtics. You're not playing against the, the underdog that you once thought. Yeah, I don't know, but... You got to give a lot of credit to the Celtics, though. I mean, like you said, like their guys just keep finding another level somehow. You had Horford, Tatum, and Terry combining for 83 points. Horford went 10 for 12 shooting in that game one. Wow. And they had just come off a really tight series against the Bucks, where it went seven games. Yeah. And that, that was not an easy series. They were probably pretty tired after that. But uh, I think 
this, this is the question I want to ask about right now. Um, and this will apply to the Warriors Pelicans series as well. Like, how much merit is there to being rusty from beating your opponent in the in the round prior, as opposed to you going seven games and like being fresh, uh, like playing competitive basketball? I feel like I've seen it go both ways. I've seen teams that get fully rested. Um, I think it depends on what what the health level is like. I think if somebody is has a lingering injury it helps um for the most part it seems like it goes both ways some teams perform well uh some teams play like crap uh i don't i don't really know yeah it's it's a tricky one it's a really tricky one i think you i think it's normal to see some rust early in the first game back in a game one if you've had some rest but i think that over the course of the series that rest ends up being a good thing so it'll be interesting to see how the Sixers respond because I think there is an element of timing. There's mm-hmm. an element of competitiveness that you miss when you're off for a while, especially when the NBA regular season is a game every three days at the most. So when you get more than that, it's kind of strange. So yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how game two kind of happens because you know they're kicking themselves and wondering what happened and asking why they were rusty. So I, I think it'll be interesting to watch over the next couple games because, like you guys said, the Celtics went seven. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be tired, and I think that shows up more in games three, four, five, six down the road. Yeah, yeah. interesting. That makes makes sense. Uh, way to way with the big take, Scott. I have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think the Sixers will figure it out a little more in game two. Um, like we saw with the Pelicans against the Warriors in Game Two, yeah. um, where that game was a lot closer than the first game, and uh, the Celtics just—they look totally prepared. The Sixers just weren't ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them haven't been here before. Second round of the playoffs for for these guys is farther than they ever—they—they they, they were the worst team in the NBA last year, pretty much. Uh, and Bede and Simmons have not been there before, but yeah. they are talented enough to figure it out. So I still think this will be a close series. And I, I think the Celtics are going to have to take it to seven to beat these guys still. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So who, who do you who do you got winning, Sean? Celtics or Sixers? Celtics and seven. Celtics and seven. Scott? Brad Stevens and seven. Yeah. Brad Stevens and seven. <laughs> it's funny. A lot of credit goes to Brad Stevens, and I think rightfully so. But I think some of it has to go to Al Horford. He's been the most consistent guy on this team, handling the that vet. front line. Yeah, and shooting field goal percentage, high field goal percentage, essentially having one of the better years of his career in terms of being able to lead a team to winning despite things just basically crumbling around him. Um, so that's impressive to me that he's been able to hold this. And I, I'm going with the Celtics too. It's crazy to think that they've, they took out the bucks. Um, they look like the better team out there at times. Um, and they put up an impressive win against the Sixers. So I got them winning in seven as well. Al Horford, good at a lot of things, great at nothing. Yeah. yeah. Terry Terry Rozier is going to get a fat contract from some <laughs> team, probably the Suns, and then he will just suck there. <laughs> You'll have that to fight for prediction. a spot with uh, Alfred Payton. Yeah, exactly. Does he even have hair? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, so let's yeah. go on to what is, to me, will probably be the most, is the most boring series out of all these second rounders is the Warriors versus the Pelicans. Um, Steph Curry returns. They shoot lights out. Um, 
beat the Pelicans, though. They hung out. They hung on for a little bit there. Um, Anthony Davis with uh, scoring 25 points and 15 rebounds to keep his team there in game two. But nonetheless, the Warriors are up 2-0 against the Pelicans. Playoff Rajon Rondo um, has been neutralized by the Warriors as he cannot find a way to get oh, good, good passes to people where they want him. Though he's put together some good three-point shots um, here and there between game one and game two. Yeah, I think this is just a classic case of everyone hyping up a team that beat another team, and so now they think that they can beat the best team. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, you swept the Blazers. That's very impressive. But at the end of the day, nothing changed from the preseason outlook of the Warriors versus the world. Mm-hmm. And now that Steph Curry's back too, that's even more apparent. Because this team is still just so much better than everyone, especially in the playoffs. Like, you you saw the Jazz steal one against the Rockets. And the, so the Rockets seem like a vulnerable team at this point. Yeah. But the Warriors, they took care of business. Steph Curry looks like he's been playing this whole time. Yeah. And no one would be surprised if the Pelicans got swept. And the Warriors just look like they're making this whole season look like a joke at this point. Yeah, I mean, let's not. I don't know how the Pelicans managed to beat the Trailblazers. Maybe a combination of the Trailblazers just not believing much in themselves. But let's not forget the Pelicans have Etwan Moore, um, <laughs> a pretty a lot older Rajon Rondo, Darius Miller coming off the bench. Uh, that's basically their perimeter play there, and Drew Holiday, who he'll he'll put together some good numbers, but. It's just not incomparable compared to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, <laughs> and Durant. So I think the Warriors sweep this, and they're on their way to the Western Conference Finals, unsurprisingly. And they'll be chilling for a couple of days while the Houston try to beat the Utah Jazz <laughs> in six or seven games. Yeah, this one's not going very long, is it? <laughs> if it doesn't go four, it's only going five. Yeah. And. Uh, I mean, I think the only savior might be Boogie Cousins rolling off the sideline and <laughs> throwing maybe Steph Curry down the down the tunnel. Hey, that might be their go. only chance. <laughs> um, it's not going to take very long. I, I think it's so funny when you look at these these powerhouses, these dynasties. They kind of tend to do this. They stumble a little bit in the first round of the playoffs, and you're like, oh, they're human. And then they hit their stride, and it's like, yeah, actually, no one can touch them. So. I don't know. I don't think anybody would be shocked if they didn't lose another game in the playoffs, period. <laughs> I mean, at this point, yeah. I don't think that would be a shock. Oh, totally. So do you have them sweeping? I think they win this one in four, and I think they take down the Rockets in five, six at most. Ooh, in five. That, that's I'm, I'm going to give the Pelicans a win. I'll give them one win. Anthony Davis is a guy. He's a big guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean... You just surround. They basically have just been surrounding Davis with combination of Durant, um, Iguodala, and Clay Thompson coming from the weak side and just heckling him and taking that ball whenever they can, whenever he brings it down. Yeah, true. He is going up against much better defenders than the Blazers put against him. Yeah, but greatness finds a way. He's gonna he's gonna go off for a forty point game one of these one of these home games for the Pelicans coming up and then. Steph's going to go for 41. Yeah. 41. <laughs> yeah, man. Steph Curry is so good. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, basically going for 28 points and f- on 15 shots against this Pelican team to finish them off. Although the Pelicans kind of hung around there towards the end. So you saw a little bit of what the Warriors had as their issues. 
early on in the season, which is basically what Steve Kerr called focus issues. Um, so they still have a little bit of that, but nonetheless, probably won't do much in terms of like giving up a game. It's a warrior sweep for me. When your biggest issue is a focused issue, that means you're pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. Breaking news. Warriors are good. Yeah. Well, here's some breaking oh, news here. Let's go to talk about a little bit about the coaches getting hired and uh, being interested in hiring. So Pistons owner wants Steve Van Gundy to return, but only if he lets go of some of his president duties. Uh, is he is him being one of the few people in the NBA to be a coach slash president of basketball operations. To me, it's a long time coming, man. I don't think this type of role works in the NBA unless nope. your name Doc is Greg Rivers. Popovich. Doc Rivers is the prime example. Yeah. That was a failed experiment. Austin Rivers is still on the team because of it. And, yeah, I think this is a great move for the Pistons. I'm not sure how many years it'll take for them to repair what they've done with that roster, <laughs> especially with that fat Blake Griffin contract. Oh, it's going to take like a decade probably. Yeah. <laughs> it is a step in the right direction, though. They had to do this the sooner the better. Do you so, think the fact that they want to bring back, bring him back as, as the coach is an indicator of what kind of coaches are out there right now, though? Like, you've already said, like, you're not interested. Like, we don't want you. But then at the same time, you kind of do because maybe you realized, like, actually there's no one else out there. <laughs> so I wonder how much it's a case of that and how much it's a case of they just, from the beginning, wanted him out of the president's office and doing those duties. That is an interesting interesting take. Um, I mean, I still like Dave, Dave Fizdell. He's still out mm. there. I don't know about Mark Jackson. I'm not sure how much I'd jump on his bandwagon. But I mean, yeah, Jeff they Van get Gundy's still out there. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy's still they out trade there. trade Van Gundy's. Yeah. Well, how about this take, this question on that topic, though? So it's essentially, what do you, it's essentially your boss coming up to you and saying, would you rather be fired or would you rather be demoted? Yeah. <laughs> um, I say fired, you get that severance package. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, huh? You don't have to deal with the, uh, with the, the drama of grown men in the NBA, I guess. Like, <laughs> figuring out what to do with yeah. Blake Griffin Or if next you do, year. like, you get a severance package and you get to coach for another NBA team that does want you. And yeah. Stan Van Gundy's, like, he's a, I feel like even though he was a terrible, like, president of basketball operations, he's respected as a, as a good coach amongst a lot of inner circles in the NBA. I agree. I guess my question is, like, how does that guy, like, what has he done to deserve to be president? Like, to have presidential They, they made it to the finals with Dwight Howard. Yeah, but, like, it's not <laughs> like they won. It's not like well, he's they, won, like... Well, they're playing a better team. Yeah, I mean, I totally get that. I guess my point is there's only a couple coaches in the league that have that responsibility, and he's one of them. Like, why? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Dude, that good team point. with Dwight Howard, he, like, that was not a good team. Keto he, Turkoglu, he was so sick. He do. I mean, Mike Brown led a team of Eric Snow and uh, who else was on that team? Delonte West to the NBA LeBron finals. James was on that team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With Eric Snow and David uh, Blatt went West. to the finals. <laughs> who well, else? Is Mike yeah, Williams? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what guys were in there. Anyways, the Suns uh, taking notice of the Utah Jazz hiring their assistant. And Sean, do you know how to pronounce this here? I would like you to pronounce it, actually. <laughs> Igor Kukoskova? There's no A. That was really close, though. Yeah, that's good enough. That's good enough. I don't... I, uh, I could. Igor Kokoskov. 
Cocos Cove. That sounds a lot. A lot more <laughs> There's a lot of K's and O's in there. That, yeah, that, it's not entirely your fault. But I hear European um, head coach for the for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, I hope this guy uh, can communicate well with uh, that young squad they got there. Or maybe this is they they hire a European coach to get themselves ready to draft uh, the young Real Madrid star in the. What's his name Luka, again? Luka, Luka Donic. Luka Don, Donic. Yeah, maybe. Is, wait, so they hire him as their head coach? Uh, yes. This is their yeah, new head coach? New yep. head oh, coach. my gosh. <laughs> this seems ridiculously risky. I yeah. mean, if we've learned anything about European head coaches, they're really good at managing Cavaliers rosters. Thank you, David Blatt. <laughs> so, true. I don't know. I, I feel like it's so... It feels so weird that we're talking about, oh, he's a European head coach. Like, yeah, he's a head coach. Like, that's great. Does he actually know basketball? Like, who cares if he's European or American or whatever? Like, does he know basketball? Yeah. But, I mean, I guess Utah's a hot commodity right now because, you know, Quinn's done such a good job. Um, They're kind of looking for the next best thing. So maybe it is a good fit. I don't know. I don't know anything about him. Uh, I don't either. All I know is he has never been a head coach in the NBA before. (laughs) And for a failing franchise, that just seems like a very risky move to take. Yeah, I agree. It could also. I was going to say, maybe it comes down to the Phoenix Suns just don't want to pay anybody that much. Yeah, possible. (laughs) Very possible. (laughs) You don't want to pay anybody who you're going to get. You're just going to suck. Bring back Eric Bledsoe. Let him coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marcus Saul here putting his thoughts in. He put his thoughts in for the coach he didn't want and got him fired. And now he puts his thoughts <laughs> for the coach he does want and hopes that that gets him hired. Uh, Marcus Saul uh, claiming his support for the Memphis hiring of J.B. Bickerstaff, um, who was the interim coach to finish off the season for that team. I mean, hey, if he was able to get at least two wins with that, those G League <laughs> rosters he put out there, That's he's got to know uh, NBA basketball really well, right? Man, yes, for real. Like, I think if this team has Mike Conley healthy, it's a solid team. Like, they would have had a winning record this year. They might not have made the playoffs. Probably would have been a winning record, though, if they didn't blow everything up after Mike Conley got hurt. Just start getting as many G League players as they could possibly scrounge up. Kobe Simmons. Kobe Simmons. Kobe Simmons. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've actually heard really positive things about J.B. Bicker stuff, too. Um, Just uh, uh, he's been with a couple other franchises and has been under some really good head coaches in the past. So I think this is probably a pretty good hire um, in terms of where the Grizzlies are at. I mean, who knows if they're just going to go into full rebuild mode and tank and try to pick up some picks here or if they're actually going to give it a go again. Um, but I think in terms of like, again, we go back to Stan Van Gundy getting rehired. Like, what other coaches are out there? I, yeah. I don't really know. Yeah, it's interesting that Marcus All. It'll be interesting to see how much sway he has in this. Like, if the Grizzlies were already leaning towards Bickerstaff, or if they're leaning a little bit on Gasol, their franchise player, to kind of move that in a certain direction. Yeah. Like right. I didn't, I didn't consider Marcus all a guy that has like this much power over his franchise, but it's seeming more and more like that just with these coaching decisions that are being made. Yeah, it's surprising that they would go with some that they would hold Marcus Saul's opinion so powerful. I mean, that's I don't know how many good basketball years Marcus Saul has in him in terms of like a franchise player. This dude's thirty three years old now. I think Powell's still playing. Yeah, it's true. The <laughs> Spanish blood. 
Yeah, keep him going. Yeah. Gets better with age. <laughs> yeah. How about Billy Donovan, uh, Sam Presti reassuring the media on the, during exit the exit press conference that Billy Donovan will be back to coach the Oklahoma City Thunder next year. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he also said today that talks with Paul George were quote unquote encouraging. So I don't know if I buy any of it. Yeah, I guess this reassuring should... is the wrong word. I would be feeling really bad about that if I was a Thunder fan. <laughs> I wouldn't want him back. Yeah, I guess the this could also be a part of that question of what's more likely: Carmelo coming off the bench, Billy Donovan finishing off the season next year as, as a head coach, <laughs> or Paul George resigning with OKC. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, wow. you could add that. That's one a great. Sense. That's a tough one. Yeah, I, I could totally see him getting fired if they're like hovering around five hundred halfway through the season. Yeah. That's well, tough. <laughs> and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook both back in the day supported their, I mean, voiced their support of Scotty Brooks too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, this was, maybe they don't dislike him, but it wasn't the popular decision by the, by his stars. So I have nothing against Billy Donovan. I think he's a good coach, but I don't think he's necessarily like a top third kind of coach. I think he's kind of middle tier. So whatever. I yeah. Have, I have no real opinion on it. Yeah. He's... I have a random question. All right. Uh, so you brought up Scott Brooks. Is Scott Brooks a good coach? It's a great question. I don't know. Mm. He's okay. He's okay. Well, so like this Wizards team that he's been coaching, they won two games against the Raptors, and this is probably the most dysfunctional group of players in the entire league who have no idea how to play together. They actually <laughs> don't even like each other. But yeah. they're able to make it to the playoffs and win two games against one seed and i have to think that brooks has at least some part in that so i think there's some merit to durant and westbrook supporting him back in the day i I don't know i think that series had a lot more to do with john wall just finally being having a couple more days under his legs after that surgery um and i mean they're competitive guys at the end of the day so I'm not su- and they're talented as well. So them taking two games, I don't think it's a surprise. They were the eighth seed, though. Right, the one seed. Yeah, but they're. I think they're a lot better than the eighth seed, and I honestly think they will. A part of it might have to do with um with their coaching position. I don't think he has a good hold on can handle those the personalities on that team and Bradley Beal and John Wall, um and even more Sean Gortat or Kelly Oubre seems like a <laughs> wild guy too. Yeah, Ke- Kelly Oubre he. <laughs> Man, this is funny, actually. I, I saw this thing, Kelly Oubre, after game, or, um, before game six, the one that they got eliminated in, he's like, if you want to go to war, I'm the wrong person to go to war against because <laughs> if I die, I'm going to come back to life and kill you. And what? then in that, in that game six, he, in 26 minutes, he had three points on one for six shooting and four fouls. Nice. And that was That's it. the way to go out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big talk. Yeah, a man that did practically nothing in an elimination game. Yeah, but uh, moving on from there, uh, our guy, the guy that both me and you are on constantly root for is Dave Fizdell getting some traction for the New York Knicks job. I think that's a perfect job for this guy. I think the New York Knicks need, needed a veteran coach there. I don't think they need to go for um, a first-year type coach like a Derek Fisher or, or, or a Mark Jackson or anybody like that. I think a strong personality like Dave Fizz needs to be in that Knicks uh, head coaching position. Yep. 
I just fear for him because I think that that whole situation is a nightmare for whoever takes it. I just yeah. don't want to see. I think we all really like him as a coach, and I just hope that it doesn't sour and destroy him as a coach and his reputation, all that kind of stuff. Because I think the reality is, is whoever takes that job next is not going to be successful. It's not going to be for another two or three coaches. Yeah. I don't know. I trust in Fizdale. I th- I think if anyone can turn it around, it's him. He's a legend. Yeah, it's not even the coaching. I mean, they actually have a pretty decent roster heading into next year. And then it's Cantor, Christoph Porzingis, um, Frank Nicolatina probably a little bit better. Mm, Trey, what's his name? Trey Burke? Yeah, Trey Burke. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Porzingis stays healthy. This team wouldn't have been as terrible. Mm -hmm. They probably still would have had a losing record, but it wouldn't have been as embarrassing. They'd probably still be better than, like, Charlotte. Yeah. For sure. Are they still talking about? Are they still talking about Porzingis sitting out all of next season? What? Is that? I some, didn't know that. Yeah. They were talking. They were talking about it towards the end of the regular season as potentially keeping Porzingis out for all of this next season. If Yikes. that happens, I don't take this job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. You need a you need a full health report on Porzingis before interviewing for this position. Yeah, and then the Atlanta Hawks on the other end um, also switching coaching jobs, hoping that that brings them maybe some luck in the draft lottery or helps them get a little bit more than 15 <laughs> wins next year. You're talking oh. about making a sacrifice to the draft lottery? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, to the draft gods. Hopefully they get the number one by firing their coach. <laughs> yeah, Buttonholzer. I don't, I don't know. This is whatever for me. <laughs> like that, It's not going to change anything. This roster is probably the worst in the entire league they have nothing really like nothing promising at all oh they still got dennis schroeder and john collins that's not promising i don't see that as promising at all if your best players are like guys that are gonna average 17 points a game then (laughs) you're gonna be last place in the league you never know man you never know i know (laughs) i know so actually, Mike Budenholzer is the uncle of one of my friends, which is ironic. Um, so I actually kind of have a connection. To, I've never met him, but <laughs> I just don't know that you can put any blame for this on him at all. No. I mean, yeah, I think no. when you look this at the roster, terrible. like I think you give that roster to Popovich and he maybe wins twenty games, <laughs> like maybe. Um, and yeah, I mean those two guys, especially Dennis Schroeder and and John Collins, are decent players, but. I mean, they're, if they're your third and fourth best players, you probably feel pretty good, but they're not going to be one and two. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I think the last thing is nobody's surprised by this. I mean, he asked for permission to go talk to the Suns about their head coaching <laughs> yeah. job. He just wanted to get out of there. Yeah, I think we all kind of saw that one coming. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see where the Hawks go from here because it doesn't look good. I don't think <laughs> yeah. they're going anywhere. This is just, ah, nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're right. Yeah, Greg Popovich couldn't save this team. Phil Jackson coming from retirement probably couldn't save this team. He'd probably quit after a month. Maybe Brad, <laughs> maybe Brad Stevens could save this team, though. Yeah, that guy's pretty smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, hell, probably Aaron Baines out there looking like Aaron a, Baines. looking like one of the top centers in the NBA playoffs right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, freaking crazy. Yeah, but to close this podcast out, I just wanted to bring a little thought out that if you really thought LeBron James was done, you're probably a little bit wrong. Who has finished, <laughs> <laughs> who finished the seven-game series and came back to win that game one against the Toronto Raptors in the East? 
um, scoring some major points for his team, distributing the ball where it needs to go. But with that being said, look at look on the on the West Coast. The Warriors are also back to close to 100% with Steph Curry coming back. The Houston Rockets losing to the Utah Jazz. So what are the chances here that we see LeBron James meet Steph Curry, Durant, and company yet again in the NBA Finals? I wouldn't bet against it. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Oh man, this is gonna be like the worst NBA Finals in a long time. Yeah, you think worse than the what I remember the worst NBA Finals being from from what I can remember is like LeBron James versus the San Antonio Spurs. That was a sweep. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a good one either. Yeah, and the like Orlando versus the Lakers also. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, you thought you'd think I mean, that for one you, would be more for you, for you, I'm sure it was an amazing final. <laughs> you already knew it was going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, it was super boring. True. This will be as boring, if not more so. Like, who are who's in the East going to stand out to the Warriors? Like, they're just all, like, they're all like very close. I feel like the Sixers, Celtics, Raptors, and Cats—they're all very close to each other. And they're two levels behind the Warriors. And the Rockets. And probably the Jets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think, Scott? What are the chances here we see LeBron versus the Warriors and company again? You know, I think it's going to happen because LeBron is LeBron. I, I don't think – I think the Cavs might be the worst team left in the playoffs, but they have <laughs> LeBron. So I think it is LeBron versus the Warriors. and They were the worst team in the first round. Yeah, they really <laughs> might have been. <laughs> Yeah. So and and I think LeBron goes for sixty in one game, and they take <laughs> one off the Warriors, and it's. Uh, I don't. I don't even think that happens. Curry needs to catch a break. He went out the night before, so he lets LeBron take one win. Their only yeah. hope is if Zaza injures him again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks everybody for tuning into the Second Stringers NBA podcast. We'll be back next week with our takes on what the playoffs. Se- playoff race is looking like we'll see if utah's still in it toronto's still in it or if the celtics haven't yet finished off the 76ers have a good week everyone thanks for listening